Hello and welcome to All I Know Is This, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. I'm Amy Star Redwine, one of the pastors and the head of staff at the church, and we are delighted to bring be bringing you season two of our podcast, which is based on our fall sermon and education series, Can We Talk Biblical Conversations in Good Faith? Today, I am really grateful to Pastor Don Coleman, um, a colleague and a a new friend of mine um, here in Richmond. Pastor Don is with the East End Fellowship, and I'm so grateful to have him here today. I know he's got a lot of wisdom and experience to share with us on this topic. So welcome. It's great to be here, Amy. Thank you uh, so much for the opportunity. Uh, to be here with you. Well, um, let's just start by hearing a little bit about um, who you are and would love to hear about your faith community as well. Yeah, again, Pastor Don Coleman, the uh, lead pastor of Easton Fellowship, and you can guess what part of town it's in. (laughs) The East End, right? (laughs) There you go. That's it. And um, I'm married to Florence for 30 plus years, a couple of daughters, uh, some nice, good um, son-in-laws. <laughs> that's good. Amazing, fifteen-month-old grandson. Oh, fun! Uh, so that's, that's my primary excitement in life right now. Um, but I grew up in the East End of Richmond, which is okay. the beautiful part of my story. Uh, the local church that I'm in, Eastern Fellowship. <clears throat> we started being about 15, 15 to sixteen years ago with a level of intentionality around. Uh, racial reconciliation and justice mm-hmm. being a huge part of who we are. And so with that, when we started, we started with uh, two pastors and we call them co-pastors, which was me, one African-American and a young man who's now at third church, Corey Whitmer, mm-hmm. who's uh, a young Presbyterian. Yes. And we were able uh, with a team of people to start this local church in the East End um, again, committed to seeing joy and justice um, in our neighborhood around um, Jesus Christ. And we've continued to work at that. We do gather in homes. So even during this COVID time, we've been able to keep uh, gathering because we have what we call five house churches uh, where our congregants are out uh, in homes in the community. I am really excited to share about the East End Fellowship and your work with the First Presbyterian Congregation because I've been really inspired by it and was grateful uh, several months ago when um, you invited me to your front porch where I get the sense you you do a lot of holding forth on your front porch, which is wonderful, um, and yeah. really enjoyed the chance to to talk with you. And I would love for you to just maybe unpack for us what you have learned from having these intentional relationships around racial reconciliation and to build a faith community around that. I'm sure that required a lot of hard conversations and probably still does. So I would love to hear something about that aspect of your work. Yeah, the the amount of intentionality around this is what's so powerful. Because if uh, what we discovered, uh, if we be honest, okay, we be honest about the scripture, we see in the book of Revelation, it says every nation, tribe, and tongue 
at the end of all of this, we'll be all together worshiping God. And then we pray this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so that's our, that's our biblical premise for why we press into this whole spirit of reconciliation and being the people of God. Because we also know that for in the beginning, God, mm-hmm. right? He said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. And so all humanity was created equally in the eyes of God. And so for us as a local church, uh, we've been intentional about it. And the reality is with different ethnicities and different cultures, everybody thinks their culture is the right culture. <laughs> so because of that, when you bring multiple cultures together, there has to be a reckoning that happens between us. And we can live together in love and harmony around Jesus Christ because that was always Jesus' intent. And so one of the things we learned is that all of us have to practice Philippians 2 esteeming others higher than ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's a discipleship issue, is how do we humble ourselves? All these things are in the Bible. How do we humble ourselves? And so when we get into these intense conversations about the brokenness of our culture and things of that sort, we have to show one another grace. Mm. So what I've learned is high grace, high grace, High grace. Mm-hmm. We got to have a lot of grace for each other. Just recently, in our craziness as a local church, we just went through eight weeks of intentionally talking about race. And uh, our local church has enough diversity. We're about 60% white, 40% uh, people of color. Okay. Where well, we broke off into uh, where we, we taught uh, our white congregants and we, then we taught our people of color around how do we do better at experience acknowledging what we've been through, and then how do we come together again and continue to have these conversations and be honest about it. I tell you what, I'm a proud pastor. I felt like we we did that with grace and intentionality, and I feel like we're, we continue to move forward, but we acknowledge just as our nation has to acknowledge, and specifically our city has to acknowledge, we've got a ways to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but why not work at it? And especially us as the people of God, where Ephesians tells us, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly. Mm -hmm. We've got a God that can help us do what we think might be impossible. Well, that's wonderful and and really helpful um, to hear that even a community like yours, which was founded on the idea of being a diverse, a racially diverse faith community um, 15 or more years ago, that you're still being really intentional about that work. Like it's not something, it's not a box you check and then, you know, it's done. And I, I think that we've certainly experienced that um, in our city and in our country this summer. Yeah. Um, and I've had conversations, especially with some of our younger people who have a sense of frustration, I think, of feeling mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, things are never going to change. It's the same mm-hmm. work that we keep coming back to. And I totally understand that. I have my own moments of feeling that way. And yet I think it's helpful to remember that we have to continue sort of like pushing the flywheel. You know, you got to just keep pushing on it or it's going to stop. You know, you're correct that even for us, because we had made this such a commitment, mm-hmm. uh, we were thinking, you know, hey, well, we, you know, we, we, we were good. And then we realized also because we're so young, we also have people coming through. Right. And some of the things we talked about at the beginning when we started our local church, 
people just hadn't heard. And so it, it's, 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 it's definitely important uh, to help people navigate this spirit of frustration that comes with, mm-hmm. well, are we ever going to get over this? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, when we see Jesus, probably. <laughs> You know, but for now, it's something we we definitely have to be intentional, keep working at it and have an expectancy um, that God causes us uh, to stay at something until we see total victory. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's where and I so appreciate how steeped this work is for you in the scriptures. This Sunday, I'll be preaching on the call of Jeremiah. And I think, you know, some of the prophets, especially those who were prophets for uh, pretty much their whole lives long, um, can give us that um, example to look toward of people who had to continue to persevere even when it looked like their work might not be making much of a difference right so um jeremiah is there's a a wonderful conversation between god and jeremiah at the beginning of that book um, which is sometimes described as jeremiah's call and the word of god comes to jeremiah and says you know before you were ever formed in the womb i knew you and consecrated you and appointed you a prophet and jeremiah says oh no god i i don't even know how to speak for i'm just a boy i mean right we always yeah. got to find the yeah. excuse to make god isn't going to take that Uh, for an answer. So God says, don't say I'm only a boy for you're going to go to the people I send you and you're going to speak what I tell you. And I am with you. So yeah, uh, what do you make of of this call and and this this passage? Yeah, it's a it's I was so encouraged when you let me know that this was the passage. um, Because I, I just believe the Bible. And I get excited about principles we can pull from the Bible. And I can naturally so relate to, mm-hmm. to, to Jeremiah here. You know, I grew up in the projects here in the East end of Richmond, mm-hmm. ended up in a foster home. I mean, who am I to be a pastor? Mm-hmm. And this is again, why we know it's, if it's about us, we got a problem. Mm-hmm. But if it's about a God who is a great God, who is a mighty God, then we have an opportunity. And so, yes, this Dispatches, he said, I ordained you right. a prophet. Yeah. See, see, you, you, you affronting me, Jeremiah. We, I'm the I chose you. You didn't you didn't cho- choose yourself. And see, for many of us, and including you, Pastor Amy, <laughs> you, you didn't really choose to be Pastor Amy. God decided. That's right. It's so important to acknowledge um that humility. Yes. Um yeah. And I think even in these kinds of conversations that we're talking about, we all have need to bring that kind of humility. Who am I? And I think, you know, who am I? I've lived in Richmond for 18 months now. Who am I Mm -hmm. to try to make sense of what's happening here? I need to talk to someone like you who grew up here and experienced some of the things that, you know, we might recognize now have been a problem and continue to be a problem and need to be transformed. I need to do a lot of listening around that. Well, you know, uh, Pastor Amy, that's what that's why I'm here because you were willing. And again, we're talking about conversations here. It's it's huge that we all can model a level of humility that we can learn and hear 
from one another. Mm-hmm. There is a power in that. And I believe the climate of our times, especially for us who say we're followers of Jesus, we've got to model something different yes. than this division that we see all over the place. You know, I so appreciate and have been really sitting with what the Lord says to Jeremiah at the end mm-hmm. of this particular passage. Um, you know, first of all, and it's always good for for we who are preachers to hear this, I have put my words in your mouth. You know, these aren't going to be, you're not coming up with your own words. Um, you are speaking for me. And then he says, uh, I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And, you know, we know that Jeremiah was preaching to the exiles whose whose yeah. whole life had been destroyed. Um, yeah. And that's going to be a hard message for him to have to go mm-hmm. and deliver. And he's not always yeah. going to be very appreciated when he delivers it. But um, so it's just really gotten me thinking about in order to rebuild, in order to plant, that that first there are things that have to be broken down. And so I'm curious how you see that right now, particularly in our in this particular moment. Wow, that's that's just profound. And when you sent it to me, my my original thought was, are we will we be courageous enough to really see what's being said right here? Hmm. Especially in Richmond, Virginia, Hmm. in light of Monument Avenue, that there are some things that for many in our city that need to come down. Hmm. But the hope, see, this this is for us as believers. See, we have a hope, Hmm. see, Because God, he told Jeremiah, go ahead. Some things need to come down. Some things need to be rooted out Mm -hmm. and pulled down. But not for the sake of destruction, right? And I think that's another place that Mm -hmm. we all, especially with this particular passage, we kind of need to sit in that that the destruction isn't for destruction's sake. And that's not what any of us are wanting. It's for the transformation it's so that we can rebuild come on uh something new yes yes even if we can see it from the perspective of violence happens to the soil in order to plant the seed well jesus says a, in, a seed has to die in order for the the plant to grow and and that's always to me been one of the most important um yeah. lessons it's it's a it's a hard lesson but my prayer for us, especially as the people of God, is that we focus also to build and to plant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think what's so what I'm so grateful for, knowing the work that you've been doing for so long. I mean, we need people who've got the experience of doing this work, particularly in this moment where a lot of people are showing up in a really passionate way, maybe yeah. for the first time. That's and, right. And so, you know, we need the the wisdom and the experience of people like you and your community to say, yeah, here's what here's what we've learned along yes. the way. And also, there's a risk at a moment like this, I think, where we destroy something in order to replace it with something mm-hmm. else that may not offer true transformation. 
So we have to wow. be really thoughtful about what we what goes in the place of the things that we tear down, right? That is excellent. And you you just said the word. We've got to be really, really thoughtful. And, and 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 this is again where I think as we as the people of God need to help our culture, see, because sometimes we can do something violently that actually didn't need to be done violently. Mm-hmm. It could have been done. With, with some thought to then affirm that the plan is to build something, mm-hmm. you know, that that's what we're moving. Even our movements show that we're moving towards making sure that what comes after this is better for all of us Yes, yes. for the planting, for the building mm-hmm. that what comes next is going to actually meet the original criteria, which is, that's for all, mm-hmm. for all, for God so loved yes. the world. Yes. Yeah, that that is absolutely, um, you're preaching now. I, I, I really <laughs> appreciate it. And I guess I would love to hear, what is it that you are saying to the people in, in your life? What word of hope are you able to speak into this moment where there is a lot of um Think there is so much fear and even despair and hopelessness. The the primary hope I'm giving people, and, and Pastor Amy, you're gonna know this, is the preacher's response, is Jesus. But I but I hope even as people listen to this, they can hear. I'm not just I'm authentic when I say that. That to me, a revelation of Jesus Christ is the hope to navigate all of the pain that's all around us. I I can't seem to discover anything else yeah. for me. That's, that's just me talking, you know, maybe somebody else. Is, but for me, when you say, who would I talk to? I've had over 45 conversations mm. on my porch since the George Floyd incident. Mm-hmm. Intentionally talking with people around hope. What can we do differently? Can we own the brokenness. Can we mm-hmm. accept that what Jeremiah said, that some things got to get torn down now, mm-hmm. but for what? To rebuild. How are we going to rebuild? When I talk to young people, I'm talking about how y'all going to live? How are you all going to live differently? How are you going to do that? It's got to be done with hope. Yeah. It can't be done with this division and separation and standing on each corner yelling at each other. I am so grateful for that example that you're setting of those front porch conversations and just feel really honored to have gotten to experience one and and to enter into this uh, relationship with you, Pastor Don. Um, So thank you for that and for your commitment to that. And I certainly hope that's an ongoing conversation between us. As we wrap up, what are some of what we're calling the good faith conversations that you are having? Certainly all your front porch conversations about this moment of of, um, racial reckoning and reconciliation. Are there others? Well, that's at this point, that's the primary one. Mm-hmm. And it's the primary one because I, I've discovered this term anti-racist. Hmm. And I really feel like there's some value in followers of Jesus recognizing it's just, it's just not enough for us to say, I'm not a racist. Yeah. It's better to say, let me show you how I'm not one. Mm. Let me demonstrate how I'm not one. And and when people, when that clicks for people like, yeah, 
I could actually do things that demonstrate that I'm not a racist versus just settling for, well, I know I'm not a racist. Well, what are you doing? Yeah. The scripture says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. So most of my conversations now are around provoking people to action. Hmm. Why? Because we so see so much negative action Mm -hmm. that's happening out. And so why don't we be a people demonstrating the positive action? Mm -hmm. And so that's where most of my conversations are at this point. Just make sure when you enter into these conversations, great grace, that you want to honor the other person. You're not trying to prove your point. Um, And that's how God has positioned me to really be able to have an ear to hear what others um, have to say. I think listening is a skill all of us could practice uh, and do and do better at. And when we're able to listen, it's amazing how much common ground uh, we can actually find if we're willing to listen. Yeah, for the first sermon in this series, I talked about Matthew 18, when Jesus says, you know, if somebody in the community sins against you, you first have a conversation. And one of the things I realized was in in three verses, Jesus uses the verb to listen four times. Wow. And that that's one of the most important things that that we need to to think about in entering into these conversations is just the importance of listening and the value of learning another person's story. Well, that's a powerful, like, uh, interesting thing, right? In the conversation, one of the most valuable tools is to actually listen. Yeah. Well, I am grateful to God for calling you into ministry and for the work yeah. that you are doing and for all those conversations that you're having. And i um, really honored to be in conversation with you and, and hope and pray and expect that our conversation will continue. Uh, so thank you so much. Well, thank you. And as a, I call myself a son of Richmond, uh, because this is the only place I've lived in my uh, 59 years. And I'm grateful that God sent you to our city. And I want your local church to, y'all got a blessed pastor. And I did say, <laughs> I did say y'all. I, did. <laughs> I heard you say y'all. <laughs> And I thank you for that. I am so honored to be here and have have certainly been very blessed by the people at First Presbyterian. It's a wonderful community. And, you know, like you, I think we are committed to entering into some of these challenging conversations right now and to being a part of the healing of this city. So we are in that work together. And for that, I'm really grateful. So thank you again. Uh, And thank you to all of our listeners who have joined us today. Um, We are grateful for you and um, we'll be back next week with another episode in this new series. And in the meantime, you can find out all kinds of things about what's going on in the life of the church, listen to sermons, uh, find out about our education series. All of that is on our website, fpcrichmond.org. So we look forward to being with you again soon. And thank you for listening.